says, and the king will answer them, truly I say, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so our focus as TWBC, we know we got a big time focus this year of being debt free, but in us being debt free, we're not becoming inward focused. We're going to be outwardly generous. Amen. We're going to be outwardly generous with all that God's given us from our talents, our gifts, our time, our energy, our efforts, our finances. We're going to be generous to the kingdom of God. And so we're excited that you're a part of it. And the title of this morning's message is mine with a big question mark behind it. Mine with a big question mark behind it because a lot of times when we get into these generosity projects and things like that, we start thinking, oh, this is so awesome, it's a great idea, but when it goes to give it, it's like, but that's mine. (laughs) But that's mine, and we put a big question mark behind it of, are we really generous? Is it really mine? Is it really all God's? And so we're going to go through that a little bit this morning. The purpose of this series is twofold as we go through this series. The number one is not for you to be able to give. It's for you to be able to first get something. Amen. We want you to receive a gift. We want you to receive a gift from the Father. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. He didn't say freely give, so you'll freely receive. He says, freely you have received, So now freely give, and that's a major uh, theological point that we must get right. Until we receive a touch from God, we're never going to be generous and give the way we're able to give or want to give. Amen? And so the heart of this is to get us to receive the gift of generosity that God has, and it is a gift in Romans chapter 12, verse, um, verse 6. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them as prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, and the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity so there is gifts and the gift of contributions and doing it in generosity God wants us to be the body of Christ and do that but the thing that's fighting against us is the second thing that we're addressing is that the spirit of mammon would be broken off of us mammon is the evil spirit that rests on riches and wealth and that that drives us to be selfish in what we have because we put our trust in riches and our trust in our wealth rather than our trust in our God and we're going to begin to find out what the driving force is is as we go through this and I love what Winston Churchill said we make a living by what we do we make a life by what we give I want to have a life not just a living amen Amen. I want to have an awesome life in Christ Jesus and we make a a life by what we give and so as a TWBC I want us to be generous and as we give and we can say we know and we can say we believe but if we're not showing physical evidence of it in generosity we really don't know and we really do not believe James addresses it best and he says, what good is it, my brothers, if you say you have all this faith, but no work or gifts of generosity or physical evidence that you're doing in the world to go with it? And so we're going to address that. We're going to begin to say, I don't want to just say to you, I have faith. I'm going to show you my faith by how generous we're going to be as a church, as an individual, as a person, as a community. And we're going to watch how God begins to use this gift of generosity in our lives. And so as we started out this morning, the title is mine with a big question mark in, um, in the, the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we as the church, we say we know it. We say we believe it. But if we really don't do it, we really don't know it or believe it. Amen. We love to quote that to our kids. You know, little Jimmy, it is more blessed to give than to receive. All the while, we keep our hands in our pockets tight fisted and we're, we're going to get what's ours. and We're going to get to the top, however means necessary. And it's mine. But little Jimmy, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we're going to address this issue of mine this morning. What is mine? And you have to teach little kids how to share and you have to teach adults how to be generous. Can I get an amen on that? 
You have to teach little kids how to share and you have to teach adults how to be generous. You don't have to teach a little kid to say the word mine. Somehow it just pops into their vocabulary. I don't know where it comes from. I really don't. But you know, as an adult, as a parent, as a teacher, as, a, as anybody who's worked with kids, you don't have to teach the, the, your kids the word mine. It just somehow pops up. It just somehow happens. And we as parents, when the kids are fighting, no, that's mine. No, that's mine. No, it's mine. It's mine. But dad, he took it from me. That's mine. But dad, it was mine. I had it first. Can, can anybody else relate? I mean... And then finally we get so frustrated. Oh, just give it to him. Would you quit? <laughs> okay, or is that just me? That, that probably is just me on that one. You don't have to teach a kid the word mine. It naturally happens. It's just a part. And we grow up saying it's more blessed to give than to, it's more blessed to, give than to receive. But because we're not demonstrating it in front of them as they grow, They grow up saying it's more blessed to give than to receive all the while. It's mine. It's mine, and I'm not sharing it. I'm not giving it. And so we grow up. Like I said earlier, you have have to teach a little kid to share. You have to teach adults how to be generous. Because when we grow up with this mine mentality, it switches over to, as an adult, I can't give. I can't give because my little kids need school clothes. I can't give because, and we start making excuses, so we got to switch it from, you got to teach a little kid to share, but you got to teach adults how to be generous because the kingdom of God works on this principle called generosity. The whole kingdom thrives and works on this principle called generosity. So much so that we love to quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he was generous and gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whole kingdom works on this principle, but the people in the kingdom aren't exercising the principle many times. Because like I talked about last week, we let our circumstances dictate our gifts, not our gifts dictating our circumstances. And if you'll start using your gifts in the midst of your circumstances, your circumstances will change. So you must begin to use the gifts when it's inconvenient, not convenient, and when you flat out just don't want to. Can I get an amen? Because there are times when I just don't want to. And we wake up with the just don't want to sometimes. And that's when you need to exercise the, just don't, the gift in the midst of the just don't want to's. But when you exercise it in the midst of adversity, you grow stronger in it. When it's easy to give and it's easy to be generous, you're not necessarily going stronger. You're just maintaining the status quo. But in the midst of adversity, when you use it, you grow stronger. And so in the midst of adversity, I want to encourage you to be generous and recognize it. It's important to notice this. We must must, um, recognize the mine motives. We must recognize the mine motives because it all infiltrates, our, it infiltrates all of our life at some, re- some level. We must recognize it because by recognizing it, addressing it, and renewing our minds from it, God will set us free so we can be generous. So we can be generous. And a perfect example of this, the mind motives of, well, God, I would love to see you answer everybody else's prayer, but I got issues of my own. You ever, you ever been there? You know, if you start praying for somebody else, somebody may start praying for you. You know, if you would be generous with your smile, maybe somebody would smile back at you. Can I get a smile this morning? Act like you love me a little bit. 
If you'd be generous with your hugs, maybe you'd get a hug sometime. Come on now. If you'd be generous with what you got and what you can do, it's going to come back around. The whole principle of the kingdom works on generosity. The whole principle and the whole kingdom is built on this one, this one uh, theological point. The mind motives, we must simply define them because when we're dealing with the mind motives in this, the mind motives are driven by the spirit of mammon that says all you have is yours. But a good Christian will say, oh, all I have is his. <laughs> See, a good Christian will say, all I have is his, but our actions will say, all I have is mine. <laughs> it's mine. I want it. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to take it. I'm going I'm to have it with me when I die, even though it's not possible. <laughs> so we must begin to recognize it, address it, renew our minds from it, because the mind motives are driven by the spirit of mammon. And we're going to touch base again right quick on the spirit of mammon because the principles that go, are driven by the spirit of mammon are directly opposing to the spirit of God. See, mammon promises us what only God can give us. Mammon promises us what only God can give us. See, mammon says, if you just keep all your money, Joel, and keep it in your shoebox, in your house, under your bed, and save and save and save, one day you'll have all these great riches when God says, if you sow, you'll reap. Come on now. If you sow, you'll reap. And you'll reap a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold return when you sow it in the right places. So the spirit that's on mammon says to save and to hoard. The spirit that's on generosity says give, and God will bless and bring it back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I want to address something right here, because a lot of us Christians, we get caught up in another religion, we don't even realize it. It is sowing and reaping. It has nothing to do with karma. Come on now. It is sowing and reaping. It has nothing to do with this phrase called karma. Because, see, God doesn't operate by karma. Because karma says what you give, you're going to get. You be ugly, you're going to get ugly. God doesn't operate by karma. God operates by generosity because we deserve hell, punishment, and the punishment of our sins. And God says, I'm giving you my son and the atoning gift of his blood, and you're set free from that. I'm being generous to you. I'm not being karma to you. Come on now. And so some of you who all like all this karma business, you're in the wrong religion. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Because mercy and grace have nothing to do with karma. Mercy is us not getting what we do deserve. Us, grace is us getting what we don't deserve. Come on, his grace empowers us to win. So I want to encourage you this morning. That this mammon, this thing called mammon, it's, it's, it's a driving force in all of us with the mind motives. And this karma business is an offspring of it. It's an offshoot of it. And you Christians who all dabble in karma and all this karma business, quit. Get into some kingdom principles called sowing and reaping. And get into a kingdom principle called forgiveness. Because when somebody's ugly to you, just forgive them. When people are ugly to me, I forgive them. I pray it doesn't return back to them. I don't want karma to go on in people's lives because I don't want karma to go on in my life. I love grace and mercy and generosity. But if I'm going to receive it, I better start giving it and watch what God can do with it. The, 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 the stands of, of mammon are in direct opposition to the spirit of God. Mammon says cheat and steal. God says give and receive. Mammon says that if you had more of these things, life would be good. Where God says it and you have more of my presence, life is full. Amen. Mammon says you need more things. God says you need more of me. Come on, that's good. 
See, things have never satisfied. Things are a dangerous pit. That's why, that's why alcoholism is so tough to break. That's why uh, drug addictions are so tough to take because you got, you got a taste of a thing, but then the hole just became bigger and now it takes more things to fill the holes. See, God says you get a taste of me and I fill things through and through to overflowing from everlasting to everlasting. We must begin to understand that the spirit that opposes generosity is the spirit of mammon. Mammon promises us those things that only God can give. That's your quick overview of mammon. Go back and get a couple of the previous messages if you want to know more about it. The mind motive and the issue of self we're going to address right quick. The mind motive and the issue of self. And we would be better to say in particular selfishness. And we got to address this issue of self and selfishness if we're going to ever accomplish all that God's called us to accomplish in this series called generosity. And listen to what James goes on to say. James says this in chapter number four, verse number two. It says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. <laughs> wow. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And this even takes place in the church. Well, God, they've been a sinner long, longer than I have, and you gave them their healing, but I haven't got my healing. That's just not right, and that's not fair. <laughs> See, we quarrel and fight, and we, we bicker about these things in the church. And then when it happens to somebody who we think doesn't deserve it, that's why I'm a big proponent of grace and mercy. Come on. Then when it happens to somebody who we think it doesn't deserve it, we're like, well, did they really get it? Surely if you're living like that, God's not going to bless it. <laughs> Listen, the blessing of God is real on your life, but don't confuse God's blessing with grace and mercy. There's two separate issues. And if you'll tap into grace, it goes a lot farther than the blessing because the blessing is derived from grace itself. It says you, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet what you cannot get, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You want something? Ask him. James says, quit all this nonsense and foolishness. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. He doesn't know how to be any different. You want something, talk to him about it. My kids, when they want something, they come talk to me. But listen, when they come whining and complaining, we have a conversation before I give them something. Come on. Aren't y'all happy to be in God's house today? So when you come to God, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on yourself and your own pleasures. The, the, the NIV says you adulterers. The New King James says adulterers and adulteresses. The, the New King James flat out said, y'all are cheating on God. And you're having an affair because you're running around on your father and you're going to him for what you want and what you desire to go spend it on your own lust of your flesh so you can live in evil with more stuff. Amen. That's what James said in a nutshell. And so God says, I'd be happy to give it all to you if you use it for my kingdom. And in that, there's going to be a process that you walk through. And it says, you adulterers and adulteresses, people, you, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? And a lot of times we begin to look at this, and as we begin to give, we give with the, the, the issue of self in mind. And as we begin to give, we give like this. I give Damon a gift, but if I immediately start looking for what I can get in return, 
I didn't give him a gift. I entered into a business negotiation. Many of us, we don't go to the Father to receive a gift. We go to the Father to enter into a business negotiation. I'm going to give my tithe, and literally you can't give a tithe. You can only bring a tithe, okay, because the tithe's already his. Okay, I'm going to give God an offering above and beyond what, what, what my tithes is. So I'm giving him an offering. So God, this is what I need. You just entered into a business negotiation. You need to say, God, I'm giving you an offering just to give it because <laughs> I love you. God, you know my needs, so I'm not going to spend time on all my needs. You know them, so I'm going to ask you to meet them, not because I gave a gift, but because you're just a good, good father. And I don't give to you, God, just to get something. I give because I love you. If your generosity is not motivated by love, you're entering into a business negotiation, not generosity. And we got Christians on Sunday mornings trying to business negotiate with God, and I promise you he's a lot wiser and a lot smarter than you are. And so in his great wisdom, he says, don't negotiate with me. Jesus is not a negotiator. God is not a negotiator. They're generous. They give. So if you need something from your father, go to him. Talk to him. Ask him. But when you give something to your father, give with no strings attached. When we as a church, as we give to our missionaries on a monthly basis, there was a situation that just occurred uh, very recently where some missionaries had to come back home sooner than, than they had thought, and we had paid for their, their apartment for the full year, so they had a year's worth of, uh, of standing so they could stay where they're at, and their house expenses were paid. We paid for the full year, and they came back a quarter into the year, and they said, we don't, uh, we're going to try and get you all this money back, and I said, no, 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 you don't understand. When we gave, we gave with no strings attached. That's yours. Spend it on a plane ticket to get home. <laughs> Find out how to come home. If, you're, if your season's finished there quicker than you thought it would be, don't try and scrape up more money when you have it sitting there. We gave it for this purpose, but we gave it with no strings attached. So if you need it, use it. It's yours. It's not ours. It's kingdom. As you give this morning, give with no strings attached. You say, God, I'm giving just for the fun of it. <laughs> woo and, and we should give with the, the, the issue of God in mind and not the issue of self in mind. And so when we're dealing with this issue of mind and the mind motives, we're always dealing with the issue of self. Many people say this, you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God, but I say you can if you're only giving to take. If you're only giving to get something, you can outgive God all day long because you're not giving to him. You're give, entering into a business negotiation. But when you truly give to God, you can't outgive him. You can't outgive him when you truly give to him. Let's talk about the mind motive versus the beauty of generosity. The mind motive versus the beauty of generosity. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Given it will be given unto you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you again. And a lot of people, they read this verse, and we equate it strictly just to finances. That shows you got a mammon issue in mind. Whenever you read the Bible and you equate something strictly to only just finances, you got a mammon issue to deal with. Because it just says, give and it shall be given unto you. And that, that does incorporate finances. But God is not limited to our finances. For crying out loud, he paves his streets with gold. And we're sitting here worried about, well, if I give and give in a good measure, he's going to give it back a good measure, press down, shake it together and run it over. So how much do I need to give? You're entering into a business negotiation. Quit negotiating. 
Give because you love him. And in fact, this whole scripture doesn't start in verse 38. It goes back to verse number 30. The whole message of Luke chapter 6 starts in verse 30 and goes through 38. And it is give. It's give to those who ask. Give to those who can't pay you back. Give to those who love you and don't deserve it. Um, or I'm sorry, give to those who don't deserve it. Give mercy to those who do you wrong. Give kind treatment to those who you would hope receive it back from others. It's give, give, give all through Luke chapter number 6. And then in 38, it says, in the measure you give it, it'll be measured back unto you again. If your relationship is give and take, you are in an unhealthy relationship. Okay? If your relationship is give and take, you are in an unhealthy relationship with God. If your relationship with your spouse is give and take, you are in an unhealthy relationship with your spouse. And I find it funny, the other day I went to Walmart because my wife was having a bad day, and I went to Walmart and I just bought her flowers. And I bought her flowers and I got them to the check stand, and, and, and listen, this never fails, it happens every time I buy my wife flowers and it, and it makes me so mad. Oh, you must have done something wrong. No, not really, my wife's just having a bad day, I want to bless her, I, I love her, I want to give unto her because she's having a bad day. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> That doesn't happen anymore. It's like, oh, well, I'm buying these for my wife. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just going to give her flowers. And, and you know how mad and embarrassing that makes a man? And then the woman behind me, oh, sister, you know he's lying to you. You know he did something wrong. And I look around thinking, all these people, if you're giving and generous, surely something's wrong with your life. If you're giving and generous, surely there's another motive behind it. Do you see how messed up we are as a society? We can't even give to the person we're supposed to give to the most, the love of my life. I can't even give to her without getting ridiculed for it by every other woman in line. (laughs) And and the men, when they see another man buying flowers, they just go to another check stand. So I'm not just picking (laughs) on women because they know they should be buying flowers too. (laughs) Come on. The healthiest relationships are the ones that give and give. Amen. Are the ones that give and give. If I asked you this this morning, husbands, how many of you have given your wife a kiss today? Amen. Come on. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Notice I didn't say, husbands, how many of you have taken a kiss from your wife today? See, there's a big difference. Right. If you're just expressing love to her and giving her a kiss, you're giving. But if you're given to get something back, you're you're entering into a business negotiation. The most perfect and beautiful relationships are the ones where both parties are giving 100%, not equaling 100%. The most beautiful and wonderful relationships that express generosity are when both parties are giving 100%, not both parties equaling 100%. Because if it's just equaling 100%, it just means I'm giving 50%. If you're in the sporting world, you're, you're, you're said you're just half right. it. <laughs> you can fill in the blanks. Yeah. And if she's just giving 50% and I'm just giving 50%, you, get, you better get ready for a very unhealthy marriage that's full of fighting and arguing and business negotiations. Right. Well, I did 51% of it today and she did 49%. <laughs> really? Y'all are laughing. Y'all hadn't heard some of the counseling sessions we've been in on. And we got so many marriages that do not express the beauty of generosity because they're both just giving 50%. They're both just halfway doing it. Expecting the other one to pick up the other half. Jesus didn't go halfway on anything. Jesus went all the way on everything. 
And he didn't halfway do it on the cross, amen? He didn't halfway do it for you and for me. He didn't halfway shed his blood. He didn't just get halfway whipped. He didn't get halfway the crown of thorns put in his head. He didn't halfway anything. He said, I'm giving it all. I'm giving 100%. I'm being generous. I'm giving it all because I know when they love me back, they'll give it 100% too. And the most beautiful Christian relationships with your father are the ones that both sides give 100%. God is unrelenting on giving to you, but you're unrelenting on giving to God. Amen? And all you want to do is stay and stand in his presence. So I want to encourage you on the beauty of generosity. When you begin to step out there and give 100%, it becomes amazing to see what God begins to do. And this is where I want to bring to the point that I mentioned earlier. You don't have to take anything from God. You don't have to take anything from him. Listen, the only reason God says approach my throne of grace with boldness is not so you have to take something from him. It's because he wants you around. He loves you. He wants you in his presence. But we don't want to go into his presence. We just want his stuff. God, I'm sick. I need healing. Well, where is healing? The throne. God, my finances are horrible right now. My dishwasher done broke again. That's a real story for us this week. I'm just saying. You know, in the midst of our dishwasher breaking, I didn't get mad at God. You know what I said? I said, God, I love you, and I'm thankful that you got us in this place where you have us. And I'm thankful for this, that you said, God, you would, begin to, you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. And God, there's been a series of situations in our family over the past month where it financially it's taken a toll on us. And so, God, I'm coming into your presence not to get something, but I'm going to ask, because you're my father, become the rebuker of the devourer in my household. And you know what? I prayed that last night before I went to bed. You know what I heard my good, good father say? I'm there. I got this. And I was like, okay. And we would not have had a happy time. <laughs> had some worship music going. Enjoying time together. You don't have to take anything from God. Many people say this. Many people quote Luke 6, 38. If I give, I'm going to get it back in good measure. That's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible does not say that. We speak out of the motive of selfishness. Sometimes we don't even realize it. We say, if we give, I'm going to get it back. God never says you're going to get it back. He says, when you give, I'm going to give it back. There's a big difference. See, if I give something to the kingdom, I don't want to get it back. I sowed that as a seed. I want it to stay in the kingdom. But God says, when I give, I'm not going to get it back. He says, when I give, I'm going to give it back. See, some of y'all have been given to get something back. God didn't ever say that. See, if you're doing that, you're given to get into a business negotiation. You're just playing God as an investment plan that says, if I give, I'm going to get it back. If I give something to the kingdom, I gave it. I don't want it back. But God says, when I give it, God says, get ready because I'm going to give something back. And I'm going to give it back in my style, a good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I'm going to give to you because you gave unto me in a healthy relationship where both sides are giving 100%. Now, come on, that, cha- that revolutionizes everything. The mind motive have got to stop. They've got to be broken off of our lives. The motives of mine, the motives of me. Giving is the ultimate expression of love. Giving is the ultimate expression of love. And if I give something unto Mitch and Andrea, I pray that it's an expression of my love. I don't expect them to go give it back to me. 
Because when I gave unto them, I don't want to get it back. I want them to know I love them and I want to give you something. And it's up to God what happens after that. They can take that gift that I gave them and re-gift it to somebody else. And bless somebody else and sow into the kingdom with it. But when I gave it to them, I didn't want to get it back. I wanted to give it. And so when God says, when you give unto the least of these, you've done it to me. And when you do it to me, get ready for God-style relationship. That when I give, I give back in a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into your life. Giving is the ultimate expression of love. And God says, my ultimate expression of love for you is my son. It's my son, my one and only son, the prize of heaven. The one that Satan so envied, it caused the fall. I'm giving you him. My ultimate expression of my love is my son. Now, I love all you people, and I love you a lot, and I would give my life for you. I would take a bullet for any one of you standing in this room, but I wouldn't throw my son in front of a bullet for you. That's a mind motive. I'm I'm struggling with it. You know, any one of us would gladly take a bullet for any one of us. But, Johnny, if I ask you to throw your son in front of it for somebody, I'll take it myself. But to throw my son, Ryan and Leslie, if I asked you to throw one of your kids in front of a train for me, that, that's a whole different, Ryan would jump in front of a train for me in a heartbeat. I know his heart. He's a generous man, good man. He would do anything. But give his son? I'd do anything for most anybody, but give my son? God said, I would do anything for anybody, and I will give my son. And I gave him as a ransom for many. You've been bought with a price. Come on. Giving is the most generous act. And giving is how you define love. How much have you given given lately? It's the ultimate expression of love. To your husband, to your to your wife, to your kids, to your father in heaven, to your church. Giving is the ultimate expression of love. And God said, I can die for you, but I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm giving you my son. This morning, receive it. Receive the gift. I pray you've been touched. You said, as the Bible says, you freely you have received, freely go give now. I pray that you have experienced the ultimate expression of his love. Now go give it. I pray that you have experienced the ultimate expression of love from your heavenly father. So you can go not halfway do it through a relationship. But you give 100% to your relationship with your father. And when you come into his presence, give and be generous to him. Give and be generous to him. In your worship, be generous. In your worship, be generous. Mitch, I'll go ahead and come on up. In your worship, be generous. Ministers, hold off just for a second. In your worship, I want you to be generous. In your praise, I want you to be generous.
when I do something for my wife, when it's her birthday or when I want to surprise her, and you can ask her this, I go over the top. I go over the top. And I may go over the top too much. I mean, I'll plan on it for six months how to figure out a way to make something happen. I mean, I'll strategically plan this thing. I'll, hide. I'll be working behind the scenes to show her love. Give the ultimate gift of love. My ultimate expression is to give her something over the top. And if I'll do that for her, if I'll plan for six months for her birthday or something, why am I not planning to worship God with all I have? Because she's given her whole life to me, but he's given his life, his kingdom, and eternity to me. This morning, I want to do altar call a little bit different. Just bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at. Everybody just stay seated. Just, just close your eyes. Think of all the good things in your life. And just spend some time, some time thanking your father. Y'all go ahead and just start singing softly in the background. You're good. everything good in your life, just begin to thank Him. Some of you got good health. Thank Him for health. Now I want you to take it a step farther. And listen to how I clarify this. Begin to thank Him for things in your life that you have, even though you're necessarily not happy with it. And I'll, I'll clarify that. When you start thanking him for the marriage you have, even though it's not where you want it to be, he can start moving in it and get it where it to be. Thank him for your marriage. Even though it's not perfect right now, thank him for it. Thank him for your kids that are running just because they're your kids. Because when you thank him for what you got, he can start moving on it. <laughs> 